0: This is, this is something which uh, um, which is known in spiritual literature and Shoginder in his own way has put across in his little poem, Invitation, where he says that who will come with me, who is willing to walk with me. He should be willing to uh, climb through the hills, wade through the snow and brave the storm and the crowd and all these things he has to brave through in this great journey which has its delight, which has its peril, but at the end of it, this journey can be not only extremely rewarding but fulfilling because if we take it in the right way, then He walks with us through this journey, so we are not alone on this journey, there is no need to be afraid, <laughs> reading these descriptions. <laughs> often as safe, often when we are <laughs> setting matters all it is a kind of a safety because we don't know all these inner states but when we begin to walk and take the road within then we go through these inner states. So we have already crossed that portion and uh, now Savitri has reached that point where she is walking in that terrain where many whom she felt are flown <coughs> and loved and they are left behind and she sees only rare one-day pilgrim feet. Very few have reached that, uh, uh, that, that sphere where it's difficult even to breathe and she sees them and goes further to find her soul. So, from here, there is another level of difficulty. It reminds me of one of the you know, Indiana Jones movies, mm-hmm. It's on the Cup of Christ, where One has to go through levels after levels of difficulty before one can become worthy of holding that cup which bears the stamp of the Godhead and his seal and the nectar of immortality. So having crossed these quite, these countries, the triple countries, she has to confront something very interesting and enigmatic. Sri Aurobindo says that all power is essentially soul power. So even this nature that we assume is basically emerged from the soul. And on the surface it has become what it is today. But deep inside, in its origin, it is the soul that has put out, out of itself, these three triple forces which work further, which release their energies and as these energies enter into the surface consciousness into the realm of the ego, they become what they have become. But behind there is always the truth of the soul and this soul, there is something called as the true vital, the true mental and the true physical within us, the mental Purusha, the vital Purusha and the physical Purusha and the soul has put them in the forefront of the human quest, of in fact the quest, the journey of matter. So in the whole evolutionary journey, the soul is hidden inside matter as a little spark of the divine, and initially it put these to govern and uh, to help the creation to evolve. And when it comes to um, human consciousness, when human beings begin to seek the soul, then when we have uh, cut through this initial difficulty or the crowd, the thronging of the senses, the cry and clamor of life and the desired soul, the uh, limited certitudes and fixed beliefs of the mind. Then we encounter these three great managers of the estate of life and these are the mental, vital and the physical purushas. Um, there are various ways people understand the triple soul forces. Uh, one way is to look at them like that, this is the direct yogic way. The other is to look upon them as the sattvic, rajasic and the tamasic energies which have gone into creation and the third way is to look at them as a reflection of the first four emanations. So Maheshwari or the being of knowledge and Mahakali and Mahasaraswati as the next level, the mother of might divine. And Mahasaraswati who is labouring into earth and matter the most long painstaking and long suffering with creation as the Madonna of suffering, the mother of grief divine who bears this creation. So whichever way we look the issue here is that we can get identified with one of these states and rest there. This is what Shodhiva is cautioning us that we may identify with one of them and uh, take that station and feel that is our role and that is our soul. Whereas actually that is not yet the authentic vision of the soul. So the triple soul forces as we go through we will see page 503. We have a few lines below A woman sat in a pale lustrous robe A rugged and rugged soil was her bare seat Beneath her feet a sharp and wounding stone A divine pity on the peaks of the world A spirit touched by the grief of all that lives So she is the first Madonna whom she encounters because also in the process of evolution She is the first power of the soul that has upheld creation, the long and painful journey of matter. All the um, countless blows and sufferings through which matter has adapted. It is because of her presence that matter has borne all this. She has borne the shocks of matter and even within human consciousness she works to bear all the shocks and beats of life. accepting the you uh, just going a few lines below. accepting the universe as a body of Bo, the mother of the seven sorrows bore, the seven stabs that pierce her bleeding heart we have this mystical story of the seven sorrows the mother of seven sorrows which are taken by uh, mother mary upon herself and very interesting if you read through these sorrows they are actually you know the uh, the crucifixion of Christ, his sudden disappearance and the news that he is crucified, he uh, his, um, his being judged upon. So these are the sorrow, the presence of the divine and yet the way earth treats the divine and matter has to go through all this suffering, it has to bear it, endure it and wait for the hour when the divine would actually redeem matter and redeem this clay and liberate the Godhead inside it. So she bears the seven sorrows, the seven stabs that pierced her bleeding heart. The beauty of sadness lingered on her face. Her eyes were dimmed with the ancient stain of tears. Her heart was riven with the world's agony and burdened with the sorrow and struggle in time. An anguished music trailed in her rapt voice. So she is the power of the soul which helps us to bear all grief and sorrow and suffering and compels us yet to move despite ourselves. So she tells Savitri in soft sweet dreaming words slowly she spoke O Savitri, I am thy secret soul to share the suffering of the world. I came I draw my children's pants into my breast. So we don't suffer alone. There is someone in us who takes all our suffering onto herself. And because of that, despite the suffering, we can still hope and we can still move on. I am the nurse of the dolor beneath the stars. She is the first and last nurse. I am the soul of all who wailing with under the ruthless harrow of the gods. So when we look at life and its most difficult and disastrous phase, who is it who bears the sorrow? We think that some human beings rush out to help, but that is not the first aid. We can always give second or third or fifth aid. The first aid is always God's aid within us. He absorbs the sorrow. And even at the most material level it is known when people go through a sudden crisis, including a physical accident, for some time they don't even experience that pain. It is as if they get dissociated from it. It is after a while that it returns. So as if the initial shock is absorbed by something inside and makes it more bearable, releases it in slow. I am woman. Nurse and slave and human, beaten beast. So what forms this Madonna has taken upon earth? I tend the hands that gave me cruel blows. The hearts that spawned my love and zeal I serve. I am the coated queen, the pampered doll. I am the giver of the bowl of rice, I am the worshipped angel of the house. I am in all that suffers and that cries. So it's possible for the human consciousness to rest at this plane and say this is the way of divine and this is what is the soul. But the soul was not meant for suffering and suffering cannot open the path. Mine is the prayer that climbs in vain from earth. I am traversed by my creature's agony. I am the spirit in a world of pain, So this is the mother of grief divine. Next page. Two lines below. I have borne all and know I still must bear. It has an endless capacity to endure. In fact uh, this Madonna has still a great role to play one of the places Mother says, My child, if you want to pursue the yoga transformation, you have to learn to endure, endure, endure and endure. In agenda towards the end, she says this, you have to learn to endure, you have to learn to endure. In fact, as if she puts it like a mantra, if you cannot endure, you cannot go through this whole process. So, she is the mother who has borne our sorrows, and still must bear. I have borne all and know I still must bear. Perhaps when the world sinks into a last sleep, I to may sleep in dumb eternal peace. I have borne the calm <coughs> indifference of heaven, washed nature's cruelty to suffering things, while God passed silent by, nor turned to hell. But the beauty of this Madonna is. That she continues to have that trust and is willing to endure endlessly. This is the power put forth from our soul to go through this process of change. Yet have I cried not out against his will. Yet have I not accused his cosmic law. Only to change this great hard world of pain. A patient prayer has risen from my breast. A pallid resignation lights my brow. Within me a blind faith and mercy dwell. I carry the fire that never can be quenched, and the compassion that supports the sun. I am the hope that looks towards my God, my God who never came to me till now. His voice I hear that ever says I come. I know that one day he shall come at last. So this Madonna's Great work, and we can see that really she is one of the most important aspects of the soul, power of the soul. And some of us can become like her, identifying with her. We can continue to be in this world of pain, believing that it may never change, nevertheless, neither revolting against the law, and yet continuing to nurse, to help, to give hope to people. So, this is one. Level at which we can identify and at the same time she is the one who carries the journey forward. But with each of these Madonas or these soul powers, we will see that as it enters into the realm of the ego, into the realm of the mind, it evokes a different response altogether. While she is meant to, she knows because she has the faith that this is a passage, however long and interminable the passage may seem. But the moment it enters into the realm of the mind, which cuts things into small fragments, the mind, touched by this this power, turns it into a state of revolt against the law and believes that God made creation only for um, being cruel with us, God is cruel, He wants us to suffer. So one can take that perverse attitude, so on one side is the Madonna who bears everything But doesn't lose hope, she continues to strive and is willing to strive through the ages. This is the right attitude. But this is the wrong attitude and the attitude of the ego where one instantly revolts and reacts against the law the moment any personal suffering comes. So, she sees and like an echo from below, answering her pathos of divine complaint, a voice of wrath Took up the dire refrain, a growl of thunder or roar of angry beast, the beast that crouching growls within man's depths. Voice of a tortured titan once a god. Oh, this is the beauty of this particular canto, that it literally reveals to us we are in a godlike state or a titanlike state. It actually reveals to us even the thoughts, the state of consciousness, the feelings that arise in us, so that we can see whether we are really moving towards the soul and towards the height or we are being plunged, we are plunging towards the abyss. So, what does this Titan whisper into our ears? So, when he whispers, we have to be very cautious and vigilant and careful because he wants to stop us, he wants to chain us. And what is his strategy? I am the man of sorrows, I am He who is nailed on the white cross of the universe to enjoy my agony God built the earth. So when uh, we say God is very unfair with us and you know we are the worst people who have suffered so much, we must know that it is this titan which is whispering into our ears and people even by yoga go through these states of depression and can actually feel that they are, they cannot succeed in this yoga. They are bound to fail, and uh, they are not worthy, not good, not fit. And Shivnanda says, uh, many times he has used the word, "Oh, man of sorrows, man of sorrows, throw him off your back." How are you catching it? He, he writes in his letters to Dilip Kumar Roy and to Nirodha. Specifically, he has used to these two people that this man of sorrow is going around the ashram like a contagion. And then he says, what you should do? He says, to all voices of discouragement, despair and failure, you must say, I am the child of the Divine Mother. I have been called to the path. I cannot fail. So, but what he will tell us, we must know, my passion he has made his dramas theme. He has sent me naked into his bitter world and beaten me with his rods of grief and pain that I might cry and grow and at his feet. So there are philosophies and there are religions who say God gives us punishment so that we can pray to him. I mean it is so absurd and so cruel. God doesn't do that. Mother says that my child I never test you, I know you. But things come in our life as a part of the world This is the cosmos which is struggling to emerge out of darkness to light. So, when we are at the level of the physical consciousness, we don't understand the play, but we must still have the hope and the faith. So, these philosophies which say that God gives punishment or, uh, you know, gives us torture so that we can pray to him actually are so absurd. I mean, if he really did that, he would be worse than a most cruel titan. But we build God into the image of a titan and we think that is the way to approach him. Even there are cults where people beat themselves and believe that that is the path of the... Of, of yoga, but it is actually the path of <coughs> the Asura and Shiva says that it is the Asura who tortures himself and thinks that is the path to God. And offer him worship with my blood and tears. I am Prometheus under the vulture's beak, so there is a myth that Zeus punished Prometheus because he stole the heavenly fire and tied him to endless pain. Man, the discoverer of the undying fire. In the flame he kindled, burning like a moth. I am the seeker who can never find. So every time this thought comes, I cannot find. You must say that, look, this titan is once again whispering things. And you must say, get lost. We are not welcome here. I am the fighter who can never win. This battle, this is so difficult. Truth is a hard and strenuous conquest. Some other say, I am not meant for it. You must say, it is not me. But the voice of the Titan. I am the runner who never touches his goal. Did anyone ever find God? It is all a dream and a hallucination. Hell tortures me with the edges of my thought. Heaven tortures me with the splendor of my dreams. All that I have are dreams and my rotten fallen consciousness. So we have to tell <laughs> this is not meant for me. What profit have I of my animal birth? What profit have I of my animal human soul? And in extreme cases people are driven by this titan to commit suicide. They are so much faced with despair that they finally feel, you know, what is the use of living and I might as well throw away my you know, it's forfeiting the chance in time. So I toil like the animal, like the animal die. I'm man the rebel, man the helpless surf. Faith and my fellows cheat me on my wage. I loosen with my blood my servitude seal, and shake from my aching neck the oppression sneeze only to seat new tyrants on my back. We do that all the time. We keep exchanging our masters and not find the real one true master. So we'll go to the next page. Only by suffering can I excel. I am the victim of titanicism. So there are people who always think that they have been picked out and chosen by God to be given suffering. Actually everybody is given a certain degree of basically suffering and joy are evaluations of the mind. But even otherwise everybody has a share of joy and a share of suffering. But this titan makes us see only the dark side. Glass is half empty. So he keeps telling us, and we'll see how vast is this place. I am the victim of titanic ills. I am the doer of demonic deeds. I was made for evil. Evil is my lot. Evil I must be and by evil live. Not other can I do but be myself. What nature made me, that I must remain. I suffer and toil and weep. I moan and hate. So, if we try tackling with this titan and try to give him very uh, kind of some kind of a psychoanalytic thought, he will not listen. So, what we have to do is we have to grow in the light. This is nothing but the echo in the human consciousness. So, Savitri is here, but see the beauty, and Savitri heard the voice, the echo heard, and turning to her being of pity spoke. She's not. To the she says walk past the adversary, if you try to start counselling it, it won't listen because it has, it's an endless net. So you see and speak to that strength, strength inside us that look, you have to bear, bear a little more, bear with hope and faith because one day he will come because that is the voice of the mother of pity and she says Madonna of suffering, mother of grief divine. Thou art a portion of my soul put forth to bear the unbearable sorrow of the world. Because thou art, men yield not to their doom. But ask for happiness and strive with fate. Because thou art, the wretched still can hope. But thine is the power to solace, not to save. So you can solace, you can... Uh, ameliorate the suffering of earth, you can mitigate it, you cannot bring the final victory. One day I will return a bringer of strength and make thee drink from the eternal cups. Streams of force shall triumph in thy limbs and wisdoms calm control thy passionate heart. Thy love shall be the bond of humankind, compassion the bright key of nature's acts Misery shall pass abolished from the earth, the world shall be freed from the anger of the beast. So she says that I will come one day and I will bring that power which can save and not just the power that can suffer and hope. Then she passes onward and now comes the mother of strength and we can stop here also and believe that that's my final station and what is her role in our life and in the life of her and she is described beautifully and wonderfully. A woman sat in gold and purple sheen, armed with the trident and the thunderbolt, her feet upon a cautioned lion's back, a formidable smile curved round her lips, heaven-fire laughed in the corners of her eyes, her body a mass of courage and heavenly strength, she means the triumph of the nether gods, a hill of lightning flamed around her head and sovereignty, a great sister zoned her robe and majesty and victory sat with her. So we have the image of Durga who stands and she is also again bearing this world but she has another role to play. She changes away the dark. This mother of grief divine helps us to bear the dark and the pain, but she fights with the darkness and changes it away and says you go back to your liar, you have no business to come up and torture the soul of man. So what does she reveal to Savitri, next page, O Savitri, I am thy secret soul. I have come down into the human world and the movement watched by an unsleeping eye, and the dark contrariety of earth's fate, and the battle of the bright and somber power, I stand upon earth's paths of danger and grief, and help the unfortunate and save the doomed. To the strong I bring the burden of their strength, to the weak I bring the armor of mine, how beautiful is when well describes Mahakali. He says the strong and the heroic love her, they adore her. So when she gives the blow they know that it is to make them strong and to grow Godward in strength. <laughs> to men who long I carry their coveted joy and fortune justifying the great and wise by the sanction of the plaudits of the crowd. Then trampling them with the arm, heel of fate, my ear is lean to the cry of the oppressed. I topple down the thrones of tyrant kings. A few lines below. I smite the titan who bestrikes the world and slay the ogre in his blood, stained then, I am Durga, goddess of the proud and strong and Lakshmi, queen of the fair and fortunate. I wear the face of Kali when I kill. I tremble the corpses of the demon horse. I am charged by God to do his mighty work. Uncaring, I serve his will. Who sent me forth? So when one is identified with this state of consciousness, then good and bad, evil and virtue, is this not the uh, state in which one works? One is charged by that work and one does it. And one becomes just an instrument of God's force, like Joan of Arc and yeah. a Shivaji and you know, beings like that who are charged by that. And you know, imagine a Joan of Arc or a Shivaji were to think whether it is good to kill or not good to kill, am I doing the right thing or am I doing the wrong thing? They cannot act. So there is this state described which begins to grow upon the seeker at a point in his journey. I am charged by God to do his mighty work. Uncaring I serve his will who sent me forth, reckless of peril and earthly consequence. It's beautifully described by Shorvindra in one of his poems, Baji Prabhu. And he says that all the goddess came upon him. He describes the vision of Kali who comes upon Baji Prabhu. And he knows he's going to die. But he doesn't care. He says, I am here to do this work. What happens next to me, it doesn't matter. So many of these great war heroes are like emanations, just as a uh, Nightingale, Florence Nightingale is an emanation of the mother of suffering, mother of being Mother Teresa is an emanation of that. So also John of Arc and some of the war heroes are emanations of Kali and Durga. I reason not of virtue and of sin, but do the deeds he has put into my heart. I fear not for the angry frown of heaven. I flinch not from the red assault of hell. So I know that when I take this path, hell will vomit its force and heavens will deny my entry. I don't care because I am here to follow God's will. I crush the opposition of the gods, tread down a million goblin obstacles. I guide man to the path of the divine and guard him from the red bull, from the snake. I will set in his mortal hand my heavenly sword and put on him the breastplate of the God. It is said that um, uh, Shivaji actually received the sword from Mother Bhavani. It is still displayed in Saraswati uh, on Parvati Hills where Shivaji is known to have visited. I will know this till date. And uh, Shivaji described this poem in the hilltop temple. So it is said, That actually she appeared in the vision and placed in his hand this sword that you go and do this work. This is the work to be done now. So literally, I set in his mortal hand my heavenly soul and put on him the breastplate of the God. I break the ignorant pride of human mind and lead the thought to the wideness of the truth. I rend man's narrow and successful life and force his sorrowful eyes to gaze at the sun. So as Kali she destroys the need comfort zones in which we have shut ourselves. She then sees in that to liberate us into the wideness. I am the battle's head, the journey's star. But the great obstinate world resists my word. And the crookedness and evil in man's heart is stronger than reason, profounder than the pit and the malignancy of hostile powers, put craftily back the clock of destiny and mightier sin than the eternity. So even though I clear the whole ground of the demon boards, like that image of Rakta Beach in, in, in the myth, that every time Kali was slain, his head, thousand were springing up from each drop of blood. So that's how it goes that she had to drink the blood, in, in the other words it means not only she had to slay the demon horse, but drink that consciousness which has emerging. So when we go into the battle, we begin to get stained by that consciousness in which the whole war is being fought. So she slays and she drinks the blood because that is the only way, otherwise uh, thousand springs out of each drop. So she says that though I do it, man craftily brings the clock back. And cosmic evil is too deep to uproot. The cosmic suffering is too vast to see. So what is the role that she can show a few who are ready the path to the divine? She cannot cure the evil and suffering on earth. So if we really believe that by that power and by that mandate we can really change the face of earth we are mistaken. Because the evil is too too deep rooted. If you I guide who pass me towards the light A few I save, the mass falls back unsaved. A few I help, the many strive and fail. But my heart I have hardened and I do my work. Slowly the light grows greater in the east. Slowly the world progresses on God's earth. His seal is on my task, it cannot fail. I shall hear the silver swing of heaven's gate when God comes out to meet the soul of the world. So, this is the hope she carries to all of us. But again, she spoke and from the lower human world an answer evolved, echo met her speech. So as she pours her power into the human heart, this power, this soul, this strength comes to us so that we can clear the obstacles on the path, slay the inner enemies, the darkness that torments us, and move towards the Divine. That's why Shokinda says in Durga's quote, he says, Mother Durga, slay the enemies within and then remove the obstacles without. So, we just turn it into that power is only used to slay my personal enemies, Mm -hmm. my foemen. So, that's how it gets distorted and perverted in the human consciousness. So, she hears the echo. That comes through spaces of the mind of the dwarf titan, the deformed, chained god who strives to master his nature's rebel stuff. So, what does he say? We turn to the next page 511. I am the higher of the forces of the earth. Slowly I make good my right to my estate, a growing godhead in the divinized mind. I climb a claimant to the throne of heaven. So this is there in the myths, Indian myths always in fact in Durga's myths itself we have Mahisasur who goes to he is a being of greed and lust. That is why he is shown the, as a buffalo. So he is a being of greed and lust who wants to climb and become a claimant to heaven. Now the law is that without purification you cannot clean it. You can enter only through a purified concept. <coughs> So the gods fight but he is saying why not, after all I have the force and the battle ensues and then Durga comes, what does she do? She slays him and sends the demon back into that place. That you have a world, you live there, no problem, no issues with that. But don't try to come come up and soil the heavenly atmosphere and the world of the gods. So this is the whole uh, method of Durga but the titan, what does he say? There are some beautiful lines on the top of the page. And make the universe's instrument, the ego of this great world of desire, claimed earth and the wide heavens for the use of man, head of the life which shapes on earth. So there are two approaches we can take. One is that I am the higher of the forces of the earth and what I do with it is up to me. So we come down back to where we are. The last born of the earth. I stand the first, her slow millenniums waited for my birth, (laughs) although I live in time besieged by death, precarious owner of my body and soul, housed on a little speck amid the stars, for me and my youth the universe was made. So we see this titan also rampant at play all (laughs) over this world, very much right outside the walls of this house also. And very much in New Delhi and Paris and Tokyo, this Titan is free at play. He says, This world is meant for my enjoyment. Immortal, for me and my use, the universe was made. Immortal spirit in the perishing clay. I am God, still unevolved in human form. Even if He is not, He becomes me. He says, Who is God? God is nothing but. The human force to which people have given nice, beautiful names. I am God. So that is why we see how the titan inverses the truth. So people often say Ravana was a great pundit. He was not a pundit. He was the one who, who read the Vedas and he gave it a twisted shape. So what he would say? Aham Brahmasmi. It is a verse from the, it is a great mantra from the Upanishad Sohamasmi. I am God. But this can be understood in two ways. I am God in the sense that in my deepest sense I am divine and I have to discover it. The other way is I in my present state am God. So this is the second way and the titan takes it in the second way. Uh, The sun and moon are lights upon my path. Air was invented for my lungs to breathe. Nobody else exists. Conditioned as a white and wallless space. For my wind chariot's wheels to cleave a road, the sea was made for me to swim and sail, and bear my golden commerce on its back. It laughs, glowing by my pleasures, gliding keel. I laugh at its black stare of fate and death. Through technology, I will create immortality. Because I don't have to purify myself. Why purify and all these things taking part? I have the force and I have the power, and through pure scientific manipulation, I'll find the secret of immortality. So the title says that. Sometime back, uh, one doctor has actually said that he's somehow wanting to just live for another 20 years, because he showed that through nanotechnology and nanobots, we'll find a way one day to prolong our life indefinitely. Whether such a life will be worth living or not is another matter. And whether a life is constantly (laughs) besieged with emotional pain and psychological suffering is worth prolonging is another matter. But this is the way of the titans. And often people feel that is how transformation is going to come. (laughs) The earth is my floor, the sky my living roof. All was prepared through many a silent age. God made experiments with animal shapes Then, only when all was ready I was born. I was born weak and small and ignorant, a helpless creature in a difficult world, traveling through my brief years with death at my side. I have, I have grown greater than nature, wiser than God. <laughs> so you see, I mean, not only there is this gentle irony and humor, it is so revealing. And we hear these voices and we have to be so cautious. I have made real what she never dreamed. Nature, did it ever imagine to make clothes out of milk and plastic out of mud? I have done that. So I am greater than nature. I have made real what she never dreamed. I have seized her powers and harnessed for my work. I have shaped her metals and new metals made. I will make glass and raiment out of milk, make iron velvet, water, unbreakable stone, like God in his eschews of artist skill, mould from one primal glass in protein form. See, all this cloning and everything, stem cell, everything is here. <laughs> Short window. That's what I was saying the whole universe is crammed in a book. So, everything, the way of the titan, That I pick up the plant and mold protein forms. In single nature multitudinous lives All that imagination can conceive In mind intangible, remote and new In matter plastic, solid and concrete No magic can surpass my magic skill. There is no miracle I shall not achieve That is the miracle of God We have done the miracle. One push button and the universe lights up. God only said let there be light and there was light. No one knows. But I can do it. With a push button I can light it. it. Not knowing that it is not that light which is being spoken of. Which only serves our imperfection. What God imperfect left, I will complete. Out of a tangled mind and half-made soul, his sin and error I will eliminate. I had a, once a meeting long back in India and somebody said, all oh, that is fine what Shri Mataji has said, we have to do now that work. So, you know, his proposal was that one through technology and others through other means, we have to now create a new world. Not realizing that the new world has to be first created within. It is the kingdom of heaven within which can recreate the kingdom of heaven without. But the same mistake we keep thinking that, you know, we must first create outside and that's all-sufficient. So, Shubindu is revealing to us um, What he invented, not I shall invent. God never made an <laughs> <laughs> Or he never ushered the space-age. Not realizing that even in that, man first conceived in his thought and then he creates on earth, so that capacity is inborn in nature and nature does the most perfect organ transplant through death. He was the first creator, God is the first creator, he has to just let a few hydrogen molecules, atoms into the atmosphere, the rest I will do. I am the last. I have found the atoms from which he built the world, the first tremendous cosmic energy Missions shall leap to slay my enemy kin. Expunge a nation or abolish a race. that silence leave where there was laughter and joy. Or the fissure invisible shall spend God's force to extend my comforts and expand my wealth, to speed my car which now the lightnings drive and turn the engines of my miracle. Now, this is where the mother has revealed something very interesting that the nuclear energy which is derived through fission is an asuric energy. It is when man learns the secret of creating energy by fusion that he finds find the godlike energy. It is very interesting because any energy which is, whose base is in division by splitting the atom will eventually be used by the asura whereas any energy which, has, which is created by by bringing together is the God-like faith. So here, speaking of the fissured invisible. Where is he This is to It is there. It is published in Mother India. This is in Udara's Reminiscences. And what all he has said <laughs> a few lines below. I have tamed the wild beast. Whether he has tamed his own beast or not is not the matter. <laughs> I have tamed the wild beast, trained to be my friend. He got my house looks up, waiting my will. I have taught my kind to serve and to obey. I have used the mystery of the cosmic waves to see far distance and hear far words. I have conquered space and knitted close all earth. Soon I shall know the secrets of the mind. So, in the last best one left, the realm of the mind. That also I will discover its secrets. And manipulate in such a way that you don't have to turn inside for bliss, take a pill, and be happy forever. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost round the corner, incidentally. Yeah. I play with knowledge and with ignorance, and sin and virtue my inventions are. So this cycle says, what do you talk about sin and goodness? This is all philosophical speculation. Nature is immoral. So you know, you can just act. So now you see, this is the inversion of a truth. When Durga says, I reckon not of virtue and of sin, she says, but I do the deed God has put into my heart. But here he says, sin and virtue, they are both uh, the simply fabrications of the mind. So, but what he says next is, that things are meant for my equal good because that's what nature is. So that split twist changes everything. I can transcend or soften the use. That's how people misuse the Gika. So here he says, sin and virtue, man has to transcend both. This is a very deep, profound spiritual truth. But look how it is inverted. I shall know mystic truths, seize occult powers. I shall slay my enemies with a look or thought. I shall sense the unspoken feelings of all hearts. And see and hear the hidden thoughts of men. When earth is mastered, I shall conquer heaven. The gods shall be my aids or menial folk. No wish I harbour unfulfilled shall die. Omnipotence and omniscience shall be mine. We see in the uh, you know the story of Ravana actually that he had actually turned the gods into menial folk. He had conquered them and tied them and made them slaves. So all their powers and energies he had put to the use of the ego. That is how it is Ravana who is the pushpak mind and not uh, in Rama. So there is an episode in Ramayana when they are fighting, so the gods say, this is so bad, it's a very unequal fight, because Ravana is on his great winged chariot and you are on the floor, bare feet, this is not fair. So, you know, the gods create uh, another chariot and bring to him. So this is the path of the gods and the path of the titans, which is so beautifully revealed that man can take one route to evolution and the other route. One phrase Sheldon says this, that there are two types who exceed man, the titan and the gods. And one can take the route of the titan, this is in that essay the Superman, where he speaks of the Nietzschean will to live and the power and that power is very cruel and unkind, it is only uh, subservient to the ego and the desired self, not for truth, not for light, not for finishing darkness but only for one egoistic purposes. So that is the hymn that this titan echoes. So we shall leave him behind and Savitri heard the voice, the wabd echo heard and turning to her being of power she spoke. Madonna of light, might, mother of works and force, thou art a portion of my soul put forth to help mankind and help the travail of time. Because thou art in him, man hopes and dares. Because thou art, men's souls can climb the heavens and walk like God in the presence of the Supreme. But without wisdom, power is like a wind. It can breathe upon the heights and kiss the sky. It cannot build the extreme, eternal things. Thou hast given men strength. Wisdom thou couldst not give. He says that you are not enough. Wisdom too must come. So now there is a third station that she can assume or in our journey of the soul we can assume. And we come to that movement. Ascending still her spirit's upward route. She came into a high and happy space, a wide tower of vision whence all could be seen. A few lines below, a woman sat in clear and crystal light. Heaven had unveiled its lustre in her eyes, her feet were moonbeams, her face was a bright and what a beautiful description of Maheshwari. Her smile could persuade a dead, lacerated heart